Welcome back to the highway with Kyle Shutt. I'm as crazy as I am hazy, baby. Today we got a treat for you. We got Mr. Walter Schreifels on the program from Gorilla Biscuits, Youth of Today, Dead Heaven, Rival Schools. He's been in every band, and we're going to get to the bottom of it. Fucking youth crew, baby. If you like what you've been hearing on the program, you're going to have to hit that subscribe button. You're going to have to follow this show on whatever app you listen to it on. You're going to have to get all DIY and do it yourself because ain't nobody going to hit those buttons for you. And if you want to go one step further, you can find us at patreon.com slash the highway. You can get yourself some sweet Kyle Shutt merch. You can go ahead and wear me home. You can get a video guitar lesson from me. You can help put a six pack of beer in my fridge. You can get yourself a shout out on the program. Anything you want. There's something on there that you don't see that you want. You just reach out to me. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a real nice guy. And we got to give some mad love to our wonderful sponsors, Heil Sound. Because if you like the way I sound, it's because there's a Heil in front of me. Now, our guest, Mr. Shrifles, today is also from the legendary post-hardcore band Quicksand, and they have a new record coming out real soon. It might even be out by the time this thing airs. Everybody go get a copy of it. We're going to play a song at the end of all this. I am so excited. It's time to do things my way. The Highway. Hey Kyle, what's happening, man? Hey Walter, what's up? Just chilling, dude. I've got um, it kind of worked out. Like you were the only thing I had today. Like so, um, but then um, the uh, because we got this new record, I just got like all this press today. So just like piled on. Yeah, so I'm talking about my shit. Hell yeah, dude. (laughs) (laughs) I'm in the groove. How you been? That's awesome. I've been good. Uh, just uh, hanging out, uh, waiting for tour to start. I'm so ready. Yeah. To hit the road. Yeah. But you are too. Yeah. But, yeah, same. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, welcome to the highway, uh, uh, Walter Schreifels, everybody from uh, from every band. You've been yep. in every. <laughs> if you've listened to it, I did it. <laughs> yeah, we could spend forty five minutes just listing them all. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, Quicksand has a new single out, uh, Missile Command, uh, which is sick, and uh, I'm I'm really excited. Is that the new record that you just got in today? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. So um, the new album comes out August, like in the teens somewhere. I can't remember what day, but. Um, so we've had these, uh, you know, as it is in the in the biz these days, you kind of drip out the so- the songs before the um, before the album comes out, and the response has been great. And um, yeah, I'm feeling good about it, man. I think we we really, uh, you know, we kind of cracked our knuckles and got down to it. So I, I'm I'm really pleased with it. I'm really, really stoked to to get out there and play and and all that. Hell yeah! Is it uh, still the same three of you? It's the three of us. We're going to be adding. A guitar player, though, and that's—I'm not going to tell you who that is. It's—it's it's me. It could be. Uh, the cat's it could be you. That would be really. It could be you. It could be Slash or Buckethead. Um, it's just a wide range. It's I thought Slash out there. was Buckethead. I thought that he—that was his. Uh, is, that what, is that what it is? Well, we'll find out. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, like I said, thanks for coming on, and uh, I always—I uh, like to wind the clock back. Uh, with my uh, musical guests and um, mm-hmm. ask, you know, I just, I'm, I'm just curious. I'm sure you've answered this question a bunch, but uh, I, I'm just curious about what it was that made you want to stop watching Saturday morning cartoons and pick up a guitar. <laughs> hmm. Good question. Um, I guess, uh, you know, seeing like these kind of old clips of the Beatles or the Rolling Stones and, um, 
you know, everybody's screaming for the, these bands. It seemed like that's a, that's a pretty cool gig to do. And, uh, and then I guess as I got older, like finding heroes like, uh, ACDC, like Angus Young, his style was so accessible that I, I mean, obviously his leads were amazing, but he seemed like he was doing something that I could do. Um, and, uh, the Ramones similarly, uh, where, you know, where you, where you're faced with this, um, learning curve of learning how to play guitar to where like, okay, maybe, you know, there's, there's a, you know, maybe it's not the very first rung, but maybe like it's second or third rung and you can actually do something with it. So, um, you know, kind of hitting on those big musical influences like Beatles, Rolling Stones and, and Beach Boys, uh, for sure. My dad was a surfer. So I, I kind of had that as well in my, um, in, in my, uh, imagination, but, uh, you know, some of these, you know, punk bands and that, that were kind of hitting their stride, like in my early adolescence, I think, uh, is the right term for when you're like, you know, 10 to 13. And, um, there's so many cool bands to just be like, Whoa, the B 52s. I could be Brit. I could be Fred Schneider. Uh, I could be Joe Ramone. I could be Johnny Ramone. I could be Angus Young. Um, you know, so it, it it was all seemed doable. Yeah. Did you get, ever get to see any of those acts live? I saw the B-52s uh, many years later. We were playing, uh, Rival Schools was playing a benefit, uh, a really cool benefit uh, after 9-11 with uh, Beastie Boys, Strokes, uh, Rival Schools, uh, B-52s, Chibamato, and uh, it was it. It was an insane bill. And um, so, yeah, I was hanging out with the B-52s backstage, and they were just, like, so cool. I was in their dressing room just, like, having drinks with the B-52s, and I just felt like this is <laughs> this is a time. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if you get how many – I really, really appreciate those moments where just, like, shit's working out. So uh, so that was really cool. And, uh, yeah, I saw the Ramones pretty early. Um, I mean, relatively early. Uh, I guess I saw them um, – like 1984 for the first time. And, um, I think Marky was in the band at that point. So it was, you know, uh, road to ruin, uh, you know, man, you the record at that point would have been, um, now probably wasn't Marky actually. I think it was subterranean jungle. I think Marky was on a bender. Was that CJ at that, at point. that point? No, no, no. no. It, was, it was with, with Didi, Didi, Johnny and oh, Joey. Oh, okay. I just, I just don't know if Marky was playing drums, uh -huh, yeah. but anyway, you know, it was, it was a pretty early Ramones gig. Um, so I saw them. Um, uh, I never saw ACDC, which is fucked up. Yeah. Me either. Every time that, uh, yeah. By the time I hit the road nonstop, like they were always on tour. You know, when you, when you tour all the time, like you never get to see like the really cool shit that's out yeah. at the same time. As you. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, and uh, it just never, never came together. But you know, it, it, it's ACDC's alive in me, in my my uh, guitar <laughs> guitar playing hands. Man, I always wanted to do a um, like like uh, approach Fred Schneider about producing a covers album, <laughs> where mm -hmm. you just get him to you know like do like the Gautier song or whatever. Like now you're just somebody that I used to know. Or oh my god, like, that like, would all over that would be big. <laughs> him or Jello Biafra, I guess you could kind of mm -hmm, swap mm -hmm. the two out. But, um, I used to work at a health food store, and uh, Fred Schneider would come in. I was at the juice bar, and Fred would come in, and uh, no way. I would just get so psyched when Fred would come in. It would be amazing. <laughs> he's the coolest. I mean, who who has? I think he's underappreciated. 
that band too like they you know they're they're handful of hits uh obviously everyone mm-hmm. knows but um those records have great deep cuts oh hell yeah dude the the first i would even go as far as um into uh their really big album is fucking awesome mm-hmm. uh uh with love shack and all that i mean it's hard to take it out of the context of it being like hugely popular but the songs are great you know there's a reason why everyone got into it and uh i loved whammy i loved uh um uh you know all all the records up up, up until that point i think that were really great there's maybe like one or two that i didn't really get into um but uh yeah sick band amazing and and they're fun as fuck so it's like here's like this touchstone i don't know who was like the fun friends party you know cool girls uh you know i didn't know fred schneider was gay but like just like that you could be a guy like fred schneider and just be doing your thing and you don't even have to sing you could have a walkie-talkie and just talk (laughs) in this weird voice and be the life of the party like Uh. that that's a that's there's there's you know there's been some that kind of touch on that you know uh but they're they're special that's awesome man but uh what 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 turns that into um to hardcore for you um i guess you know kind of being open to to different sounds you know and and, you know obviously like the b52 the ramones like everyone knows who they are now uh and i I surely didn't discover them but at what my age when i was getting into these bands like other kids my age were not feeling that or, or seeing that as a thing um so i think i always had like an appetite for you know what was sort of off of like what what the you know, mainstream was feeding us, man. And so, um, I was looking for that kind of thing. So, uh, I think what I really liked about hardcore was a couple of things. I think, um, the actual DIY, which is something that we take for granted, but, and I didn't even know what DIY meant at the time, but like, I can remember getting this stack of seven inches and, um, listening to all these classic bands not knowing what they were and um you know hearing minor threat and like with no reference you know except for like the ramones you know like and hearing the lyrics and being struck by how kind of direct and and uh you know there's this this sort of incredible wisdom to them um and yet it, it was like someone i mean the by the time i heard minor threat they they you know um, they'd been broken up for probably a year or two, but to me, it seemed like it ha- had been in a cave in France. It seemed ancient, you know, <laughs> and you know, it was black and white and you could feel that someone had like, you, it wasn't on Epic records. It wasn't on, you know, that there was some way to make records really, really cool, awesome records with such freedom. And you could feel that it was like people, my age or like, you know, like they were seniors and I was a freshman, but you, you know what I mean? Like within my realm that they were fucking just doing this and they weren't waiting for like someone else to give them the keys, you know? And, um, I think that really struck me. And that also just that it sounded shitty, that it looked shitty and that it was, if, if my like kind of, you know, normie kind of like high school friends were to like if experience it, it would just sound like fucking garbage to them. And that's a turn on, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, cause, cause I think a lot of the times, like, especially when you're in high school, um, you're trying to find an identity, you know, of your, of your own, but you're also 
you know, trying to latch onto things that might give you more clues to like who you are and, and what you're actually into. And a lot of that is defined by like what you're not into. Sometimes it's easier to understand that than it is to understand what you actually are into. And um, I think there was something about shitty about hardcore that appealed to me that I could like peel those, you know, the, the, the sort of like, you know, air quotes, like bad sounds or mm-hmm. bad recordings, you know what I mean? Um, aggressiveness, uh, lack of, of skill, uh, musical prowess or whatever, that I could hear what was in it, which was the heart, which was the, the philosophy behind it. And, and that resonated with me like more than, you know, and I was listening to all kinds of cool stuff when it, before I discovered hardcore. I was into, you know, Buzzcocks, Joy Division, The Smiths, Echo and the Bunnymen, uh, R.E.M., uh, U2. I was into all kinds of interesting um, music that I still love today. But hardcore was just took it to this other universe that was – it felt like something I could touch, you know, that, mm-hmm. that I could, could, could you know – be on stage you know uh, in in a way and um and yet you know minor threat were like you know for lack of a better word like fucking not just rock stars but like artists you know and i think that all appealed to me the the whole uh the diy approach that you brought up uh i think it was like the to me anyways like the main difference between punk and hardcore uh, especially in those mm-hmm. days, and uh, in Yali, yeah. took it. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I've I've only heard this, uh, but didn't you used to actually? You didn't just like print your own shirts. You like drew your own shirts. Like, yeah, <laughs> the, true, the like... first bunch of Gorilla Biscuit shirts, we actually physically drew them. <laughs> That's so. It's very time consuming, and um, how much are those worth? Yeah, now? I mean, oh my god. <laughs> oh shit! I don't know that any of exist, and you and uh, it, it, you know, no one would believe it. Um, uh, you know, but assembling the seven inches, you know, in, in like, you know, in my brother's bedroom, you know, like having a f- bunch of friends over to like put together these seven inches that one day would be selling in record stores for like, you know, thousands of dollars, you know, like it's insane. Like no, not even underst- understanding that and, and, or caring or, or ever being able to project that into it. It's just like, we're doing it ourselves, like us and our friends. And we're like creating this thing and like, it's for us by us. And that's just fucking cool as shit. And I, and it's still, especially in today's kind of world where like all these institutions are like, you know, like the major label system and, you know, having gone through that and, and, you know, fucking it was awesome i love all that shit but um but i think now nowadays in music and 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 in, in i think in general these institutions don't really they're not like they're not going to give you uh you know some sort of like job or identity that you're going to be able to roll with for 30 40 years and then retire and chill somewhere yeah. like you gotta you gotta hustle and you gotta do it yourself and and you got to um, rely on your people and, and, and harness that, that power, you know? And I think that all that, you know, DIY training in the eighties, you know, I think is, is, you know, I meet a lot of people that kind of picked up on that. And I think it's helpful and applicable to like the time we live in. Absolutely. How, how did that though, like having all that under your belt, what was that like transitioning into that major labor world? Like with quicksand? Oh, it was, it was fucking awesome, dude. I got used to it real quick. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> like my first ride on a tour bus, these fucking nut jobs were paying for was, right. was awesome. Um, I mean, there, there, there's a, a lot of, 
you know, I guess it's like anything, you know, like to be embraced by the established power um, is uh, it's cool to feel like you're doing something like, oh, fuck, we're on, we're like going to get played on the radio or we're going to be an MTV, you know, or I'm, I'm, I'm on fucking Beavis and Butthead like that's that's kind of crazy considering like what our initial i mean i guess quicksand maybe had a little bit of a of a more expansive idea of what we were doing but just like me personally like to me music was something fun to do it was not my career thing i wasn't like i'm gonna make it in show business you know i was not like that so that it was carrying me to where i'm touring the world and doing all this exciting stuff you know getting taken out to dinner or like going to these parties with famous people are there and all that kind of stuff. That was, that was fun, man. You know, I, I didn't really have any, I, I didn't like buy, buy into it intensely either. Like I, you know, um, but you know, I, I, I enjoyed people there that were like into music that were like excited about it for the same reasons that I was. And, um, and yet everything was being paid for by like the sales of like Elton John records. It was, it was a beautiful thing. Um, <laughs> But, you know, it, it, I never really bought into it in, in a sense. Um, so, you know, and there was also, it wasn't all, you know, uh, expense accounts and, and all that shit either. You know, I mean, you, you are by, I mean, for the young people out there, if, you know, if people give you a bunch of money for something generally, you know, it, there's, there's, they have a say in what you're doing. And so you have to like listen to some of their bullshit ideas that you just, you know, uh, you might not be into and then you have to you know and i didn't experience that so much to be honest i think i we came in at a good time where they weren't like artistically really bugging you but um you know there's some corny shit too that you just gotta like you know uh have to deal with as well but you know my experience was was especially during the quicksand time was was very good and uh you know i can't really complain and uh in the rival schools times and you know i did other records for majors you know as things as as the money started to disappear from it there was like other levels to it um that became more like oh okay so this is what this is you know this is what they warn you about um you know uh you're in this part of the, of the ride right now. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, and that's bullshit, but you, you know, it's like anything, any sort of job or any sort of pursuit, you're going to struggle at some point, you know, I think that's just the way that it is. And so you ha- how how you, how you navigate those struggles and, you know, uh, that kind of shit is what, what allows you to develop and grow and, and, uh, become who you are are you know or want or are meant to be you're, you're shown who you are i suppose <laughs> yeah yeah you know what i mean it's like it's all it's all like okay you know do i fucking blow this whole thing up do i have a conversation do i uh you know it, you, you have a certain amount of um you know in any sort of like you know that's just what life is is a lot of struggle yeah. Yeah, you know, so, so my absolutely. struggles are relatively relatively chill you know <laughs> i uh i think the la- i think it was the last time we uh hung out uh you had told me that you were digging through your stuff and you found an old uh quicksand flyer for the 930 club and it was like i can't remember all the bands but it was like some insane lineup and it was like three dollars to get in and i just i remember yeah. you saying like <laughs> like it was specifically i think you said like we just had such a uh, hardcore sellout guilt that we like we couldn't charge you know that much money for uh, our shows and you're like what if we had just charged like 
like two more dollars. We could have like afforded a hotel room or something. Yeah, like, we're fucking idiots. How real I think was that uh, sellout culture back then? Uh, yeah, it was, it was real. You know what I mean? You're coming from this like $5 door or $3 door mentality to be like anything, um, beyond that is like, uh, you know, and, and then for, for cool reason, you know, cause kids don't have any money. So obviously you're trying to like bring people together. So make it cheap, but you know, you have to cover expenses, but definitely we were under the, you know, Fugazi school so you know you always have ian on your shoulder judging you um (laughs) god bless him he'll keep you he'll keep you honest but um you know i don't think it would have killed us to uh charge a couple extra bucks (laughs) to make it work out we're doing our part man we were out there for like 300 days plus a year playing our fucking hearts out every single night giving 110 percent like it doesn't make us shitty to like want to get our own hotel room every once in a while so i mean but, you know, that was the culture we came up in, and I'm very, very grateful to, to have learned all those lessons. And and those things are fucking important. The choices that you make, that two extra bucks might mean some sort of comfort here, but, but you know, um, all the choices that you make are, you know, it's kind of like we're talking about before, that those are the things that are defining you. It's just like, are you cool with that, you know? And um, there's plenty of stuff I've said no to that – would have fucking made me a lot of money and I don't have any regret about that at all. You know, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, how, how is it? How is it these days? I mean, not necessarily these days, but since, you know, kind of like once streaming sort of rose to the, uh, you know, the surface and, um, we're, you know, all just sort of lumped in these like giant festivals all together. And you're sort of like just out there competing with so many, you know, huge bands that are kind of in the same boat that we are, that they're not making nearly the money that they used to. And stuff yeah. like that, you know. How, how is it uh, navigating those waters for you? Um, I guess I haven't really struggled with it because it's been kind of working out fine for me. Like I, I think there's an exchange really. So I mean, you know, back then uh, we would have, you know, uh, you know, we're going to do an interview at this radio station in this town, and you're in a bus, and uh, you know, you're in this sort of you know, sound scanning and, and all this kind of crap. So that stuff, you know, if, if, if you're a really, really big band and you're very successful, well, you're, you're stoked, but you're also pissed because you're paying back all this money they advanced you. Um, and, uh, you know, so I was lucky to, to exist in a, in a DIY universe where like, you know, the record costs like, you know, three grand or five grand to make, to make. So you're making money off of this record and that's helping you, um, you know, where in the major label system, everything's on, on these advances and, and it's only the bands that get really very popular that ever come to that reckoning point. Otherwise it's just all on this, like, you know, band credit card or, or company credit card. Um, I think the fact that I can be a part of the festivals and those kind of things, like that really wasn't a thing in the United States at, until I think the last 10 15 years mm-hmm. uh where, where you have this sort of thing and it, it it's great it allows bands to make make uh have a higher payday and so the bands can 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 function and do do their thing you know because if you know bands are made up of people and people need to pay fucking rent and it, you know even if you can just make the show uh it doesn't it doesn't breed the same it doesn't bring the same power as like 
if if people are just really struggling so i mean uh the festivals i think uh, you know bring that together and are able to pay the bands a higher amount of money that's cool i think um you know obviously merch has been com- become more of a of an important factor and uh you know as if we're talking about how to bands like make money versus like you know now that there's like not so much record sales that i guess i'm addressing that and obviously vinyl for people that love it i mean that's the actual article you know that's the actual uh you know uh, material representation of this like uh piece of art that that you know depending how the band looks at their music you know i i consider uh what i'm doing like to be craft and um and uh you know uh, like songs and stuff like that but but it's art because you're, you're 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 creating this you're manifesting this like idea uh outside of yourself and uh you know and, and with a band you're doing it with a group of people which is it's has a lot of challenges and uh but also creates all these different uh wild things that you you just could never uh plan uh so you know but but if you create like an actual thing um you know it's like you know i mean it's not a one a one of a kind thing um but uh it has a value you know what i mean people fucking human beings want to put things on their shelf you know what it used to be books when it was back in caves it would be like people's favorite fucking rocks you know they would just like <laughs> they would just pile those fuckers up and if someone wanted to borrow a rock from you you'd like bring that fucking rock back dude don't fucking lose that yeah. rock you know don't what i mean so yeah. <laughs> don't fucking scratch the rock it's a nice rock so people were uh, that's just part of our our it's in our dna yeah it's beautiful. I, I I couldn't live any other way. I don't think I would just be miserable if I wasn't like creating art and records and, and touring, traveling the world and getting to know people everywhere. That's, that's what I love about uh, touring and just playing music and just all these festivals too. like cram all these bands together that I would have otherwise never have met like, like y'all, you know what I mean? Like I, I think the first yes. time we met was, uh, I think it was welcome to Rockville in Jacksonville. For the, mm-hmm, the year mm-hmm. that Billy Idol played, it was fucking yeah, awesome. it was but so yeah, just, good. The end of the night, uh, I just remember it was like y'all and us and Clutch and I think Red Fang just like sitting around the couch, just passing a bottle of, uh, of tequila, and just uh, having the best time. And uh, yeah, it's uh, I, I love festivals, man. Um, did you ever get to do yeah. uh, Soundwave in Australia? Soundwave, yes, yes, Those were I wild, did. I with rivals, rival schools. That's that's a great hang. <laughs> they're just like 97 bands in one day <laughs> yes yes and yeah i mean it's great to see your it's great to see your peers man you know it's like uh people that you've just like heard of or maybe people you you, you know that you're you, you know that you really admire their work um and just you know people that have that same kind of sense of just uh you, you, kind of how you described it. it's like i just love fucking traveling around meeting people playing music, creating art, um, soaking up other people's, uh, work and, 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 and the experiences that all come out of that, which is also random and beautiful. And like, those are the riches of my life or, or, you know, you know, my family and, and those experiences. Same here. I just, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Cause like, you never know what kind of situation you're going to find yourself in. Like you were saying, like hanging out backstage with like beastie boys and B 52s. <laughs> Mm-hmm. are there any other of those uh just wild moments that you just couldn't believe were happening um one that comes to mind was more recently a friend of mine uh, who's a photographer uh we went out to japan and he's he's uh 
he's friends with the edge and i loved you two as a kid and we went out to see you two last year at uh in in tokyo and we went wow. to see them like fucking totally sick as seats like um and we just hung out with the edge all weekend it was fucking <laughs> fun as shit in the whole world edge is so cool and uh and just the nicest guy and uh and we're in Tokyo, so we're just like you know, it's it's just different, you know what I mean? Tokyo is just such a magical. I mean, like that, that's the charm of a movie like uh, uh, what was the movie uh, Lost in Translation? Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Tokyo just has this sort of magical quality. So uh, yeah, you know, hanging out in a dive bar with Edge, drinking beers at like you know four o'clock in the morning, it's Hell fucking yeah. amazing. That's rad. Do you remember where the show was? Um, the Enormo Dome of Tokyo. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. I was just we uh, we played there at the the Saitama Super Arena. Uh, okay, Metallica was like forty thousand people, like two nights. It would have been what, that. Was it, it like that many people? Was it just a huge yeah, thing like that? Oh man. Yeah, it's, it's big. It's bigger than your average arena. Yeah, I think it would have been. It probably would have been the same spot because uh, it's you know Madison Square Garden is like I think twenty thousand, mm-hmm. like absolutely every seat. Yeah, and this place was bigger than that. It was pretty fucking sick. I never got to play the garden. I always wanted to. Uh, me neither. But um, Siv played there, and I damn I, really yeah. I wrote those songs. My songs were played there. Hell yeah! <laughs> I didn't know Siv played there. That's wild. Who, who, yeah, who they, they opened for Kiss. It was amazing. What the fuck? Yeah, wow. they opened for Kiss. That's because we had the same management as you know as Kiss, basically. Um, Doc McGee, who's uh, a fucking amazing guy, and and has as a manager just did so much, so much incredible shit. I mean, he put on that whole. Um, moscow rock festival with like I, I that's not the name of it but um it was like when gorbachev was the was running russia and uh uh doc had gotten in some trouble with the, the u.s so they got him to uh you know uh with the law and so you know they got him to put on this concert in russia as a way to kind of like get him off the hook somewhat Weird. um and it was bon jovi scorpions um Ozzy Osbourne, uh Motley Crue. Um yeah, I went to his house and it's like a picture of him hanging out with Gorbachev and uh and he managed Kiss. So um so that's how Siv got that gig and uh it was fucking awesome. They ripped it. That's a it hell of a really way cool. to get out of trouble. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a great way to get out of trouble. Okay, listen, we're really mad at you. You fucked this up. Now do something awesome. Okay. So yeah. Good lord. Uh, I only ever got to play in Russia one time. Did you get to do that much? I never did. No, I, I really would like to. I, I love Russian history. I think they're just so. Uh, it's just interesting growing up and in, in, you know uh, when I grew up and like how the Russia just looms so mm-hmm. you know large USSR SSSR SSR two S's and how um, they were this sort of uh, you know behind this iron curtain and they had the same power that we had but they had this sort of like fucked up philosophy of how to run a government and we had to be afraid of them and uh, you know they were always the villain and and uh, and it's just they're just interesting people, man. They, I got a lot of respect for Russian people. They, they fucking, they're, they're hard motherfuckers. That's my, yeah. that's my take. <laughs> like, 
you know, our idea of suffering is fucking pretty whack or weak in comparison to what their level of suffering. When I meet Russian people, I'm just like, you're the product of like, you're a survivor of so many horrible pogroms or, or, you know, like Mongols coming over and just killing everybody. And you're the product of the ones that survived all this shit. I mean, mm. you know, there's just, they're, they're on an open plane. So there's just like all these just different people coming in to kill you all the time. And, uh, I think they're fucking amazing. I'm really into um, into Russian Revolution too, like 1905 and, and uh, 1917. Like, I just find it fascinating. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Well, what, I wanted to ask you, coming from the DIY scene, coming like just mm-hmm. growing up in it, uh, contributing, you know, the huge parts of it to the, to the scene mm-hmm. itself. Uh-huh. What's it like, you know? Because I mean, you know, Gorilla Biscuits like took you know many many breaks over the years. But what's it like coming back to that, uh, you know, with uh, just more mature ears and just a, a a better understanding of music and everything? Like, like when you just do, do you slip right back into it? Like, how do you think about those recordings differently and those songs differently and things? Um, I think those songs just kind of play themselves. I mean, they're just like a kind of you know to me like a perfect representation of of a of a time and place and and energy that is. Um, just it, it's just there's a certain timelessness to it you know what i mean actually you know but but it totally ca- encapsulates like just friendship and you know possibility and 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 you know the kind of thing that like when you're at a certain before life has kicked your ass but you're you're smart enough to understand you know to have wisdom you know i guess it's when you're kind of like in your late teens like you have that um you're you're super you're smart you know like you you understand things like and you're also literally the future of the society you know what i mean and um you're still but you still because you're young and you're a child you haven't gotten your ass kicked by life you haven't had to make you know compromises that people have to make over the course of their lives that can like break them you know yeah and um so i think gorilla biscuits has that optimism and that that um that's that's the power in it and uh and we fucking just rocked it you know like it just is a cool record it just holds up it's like just kind of it's not it's amateurish but in a fucking the best way so if i if i approach that when i'm playing you know over the years playing festivals with gb i mean it's like five people, you know, I mean, Alex passed uh, a, a couple of years back now, but, you know, even Charlie, who's who's played in his place, has like been such a dear friend and, and got, have gone through those times together over such, a, you know, over most of my lifetime. Um, that the value of that, you know, is, is, is a starting point um, of having that just, you know, people to travel through life with, you know, and, and through all these different changes. And also the value to, you know, that the reaction, the audience, man. It's like the the Gorilla Biscuits is like a spark that ignites the people, you know, and, and like everybody singing along, everyone, the mood, the, the the feeling in the audience is a fucking awesome one, and um, I, I think to be a part of that circuit, um, to me like my hands are just moving all around. I, I, I'm, I'm not paying attention at all to what I'm doing. I'm just experiencing this, this kind of feeling for some people. It's, 
a nostalgia, but it goes to, to kids who are really little and that are experiencing it, that they relate to this thing that, yeah. that it goes over generations. So, you know, obviously like I was there, I, I was, you know, I was fucking in the studio work, making this thing, you know, at one time in my life. But, but I'm so, I'm not, that's not what I'm connecting to. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm just like connected to the whole fucking, what the hell dude, people, there's all these people on stage. They're fucking flying off stage. Everyone's singing <laughs> along. It's fucking so ridiculous. The band's called gorilla biscuits. This is insane and beautiful. It is. Whose idea was it to put the harmonica on the start today? Dude, me, <laughs> was, of course. That was you. Yeah. yeah. I've always loved I mean, that part. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, with Gorilla Biscuits, it was really nice because everyone was just down for whatever the fuck. So it was like, there was no like, no, man, that's whack. You can't put a yeah. harmonica. And I learned, I picked up a good uh, harmonica. I've always wanted to learn how to play harmonica. I saw Mick Jagger playing harmonica. It's harder than so. you'd think, like as a, somebody that's just looking at it from the outside. For me, anyway, it was. I got a, a how to play harmonica for dummies little book <laughs> and uh, I figured it out in a weekend. I mean, I'm not good by any stretch, but like you could learn if you get a blues harp, you can learn the blues scale mm-hmm. um, with a bit of patience. You can get it. Yeah. I just one of those things where I was like, oh, I'll put some harmonica on this. And I picked up a harmonica. I was like, well, that didn't go as, as planned at all. <laughs> no, I mean, there's, it, you can't just like jump on it and, and rock it with, you know, I mean, I couldn't. But it's the learning curve to me, I think, is like a weekend to make it sound like you could play the solo to start today. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which is like mostly like one or three notes. (laughs) Well, that's awesome. Well, um, I know y'all are ramping up to uh, head back uh, back out on the road. Uh, Yeah. When when does Mm -hmm. that tour start? Uh, I think in uh, shit. I think it's late September. Nice. Yeah, I know you're coming through Austin in October. I can't wait for that show. Oh, me neither, dude. I miss Austin. I mean, lockdown has been cool to just be in one place, and that's been kind of a nice change, especially you know for our kind of like lifestyles. Yeah, much as we love it, it's cool to like feel what it's like to not to have it to go to the airport all the time or not have to get in the you know in in the vehicle to like go to the next place. But um my just frequency of just knowing that I go to Austin like twice a year, you know, generally or more is, uh, you know, I missed it. I missed my friends, miss seeing, seeing being in the city. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to coming back out. Yeah. I miss New York too. I was living in Brooklyn for a little while and, uh, it's just, it's kind of like Austin. It's just changed so much over the years. But uh, mm-hmm. I always just have a wonderful time when I'm there. Uh, just all my yeah, friends and just uh, playing the the music hall or, or anywhere. Uh, we're going to be stopping through the Beacon uh, pretty soon, which I've never played before. It's, isn't that like on the Upper West Side? Yep. The Beacon's a classic venue. Um, I saw Sugar Cubes there. I saw the replacements there. Damn. Um, I recently saw uh, Bob Dylan there. Whoa. Um, what was yeah, that like? It's, uh, he, it was a great seen I've seen Bob Dylan like 10, 15 times. Oh, I weird. love him. Um, but it was a great set, man. It was really good set actually, it, you know, cause sometimes he can be like, I, and sometimes he can be pretty special and he, he was on fire that night. Cool. Um, yeah. Uh, Beacon's great. Classic venue. You're going to love it. I can't wait. I think y'all are at the Mohawk, uh, coming through, uh, this time, right? That when sounds about right. Yeah. 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 Uh, cause I know, uh, our friend Ryan Chavez's band is going to be supporting you guys. Uh, yes, love too. Ryan. I'm really excited for uh, for Narrowhead to come out. I haven't seen Ryan in, in, in a minute, but I'm looking forward to spend some time with him. I just talked with uh, Neil Hennessy from Lawrence Arms. I didn't know Ryan was in the Smoking Popes. 
for a while until he he brought that up. I was like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> oh, wow. I did not know that. <laughs> I know, yeah. right? He, he kind of kept that one under his hat, I guess. Uh, yeah. Out, but yeah, yeah. Well, man, I, I thank you so much for coming on the show. It's, it's just a pleasure to talk to you and just to get all this history uh, for everyone that doesn't know it. And uh, yeah, I'm, re- I'm really excited for the new Quicksand record coming out mid-August. Um, is it okay if we uh, if we play Missile Command on the show? Please do, man. Rock it. Play it loud. Are we going to? Are we going to? Yeah. Man, Walter, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate you, brother. My pleasure, my pleasure, uh, Kyle. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing you uh, out in Austin and... Uh, I think we're like I'm missing you in New York, but um, but yeah, can't wait to, to to hang, buddy. Good good talking with you.
so much for tuning into the highway this week. A big shout out to Reverend Guitars, Railhammer Pickups, and Earthquaker Devices. If you liked what you heard, you can follow where you can follow, subscribe where you can subscribe, and if you want to go one step further, you can support us on Patreon at The Highway with Kyle Shutt. For a few bucks a month, you can help us keep this party going, get early access to next week's episode, and even get yourself a shout out.